Hour number two is brought to you by SM Athletics. Look, you feel the weather changing. Spring is here. Yeah, there might be some snow coming in a couple weeks, but spring is here, and most importantly, planning for spring is here. Baseball, fast pitch, AAU basketball, track and field, they're all around the corner. If you have uniform, equipment, screen prints, or embroidery needs for the upcoming season, give give SM Athletics a call. Excellent customer service, great products at a fair price, and and when they say it is done, it's done right and on time every time. Don't chance it with unreliable mega stores or online orders. Shop locally. Trust locally. I wouldn't tell you they were good if they weren't good. Give SM Athletics a call today at 865-966-3434. I like when these phone numbers are easy to remember. 966-3434. 966-SHACK-SHACK. Or visit smathletics.com. smathletics.com again for all of your spring sports needs, embroidery, screen print. All the good stuff. All right, Sam, what did we miss yesterday? Thanks, John. Some very interesting news uh, coming out of college. Uh, the National Labor Relations Board regional director basically concluded yesterday that Dartmouth men's basketball players are employees of the college uh, and can now basically vote on unionization and can basically kind of almost create their own players union. Uh, This is a a really interesting kind of development, I think, in terms of obviously the the stuff that's going on with Tennessee and the NCAA. It just seems like the control with the NCAA is almost just slipping out of their hands. Yeah, I mean, if this snowballs, it's the end of the NCAA amateur model, even what's left of it with NIL. Bob, your thoughts? It's an interesting one. I was just reading up on it a little bit, and um, this one's unique because it's uh, involving an Ivy League school. They don't give out scholarships. Their their sports typically don't really generate meaningful revenue. Mm-hmm. So I'm already reading Dartmouth, the institution, is going to appeal this likely because this is going to be money out of the, the university's pocket. But, yes, I think the timing of it – Uh, Couldn't be worse for the NCAA. It's just another domino that gets in the way of everything that they're trying to to do and, you know, fighting some of the things that are happening at the Tennessee level and things like that when it comes to amateur athletes. Wait, you say they don't get scholarships in the Ivy League? No. Not athletic. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Yeah. I don't know if I was aware of that. Yeah. So, so, you know, I guess just taking it from a top-line perspective – you know, these universities, uh, you know, if it, it, it turns into uh, – athletics turns into potentially a money-losing proposition for them. Um, again, I got – you know, it can't dig into their books. I mean, I'm sure there's a little bit – maybe there's a little bit of revenue, but it's, you know, it's obviously nowhere near uh, the levels we talk about with Power Five conferences, even probably mid-major schools, to be honest with you. So this is uh, it's an interesting one for sure, and uh, I mean it's they'll vote to unionize if this proceeds. The players will. They need to get you know there's 15 players on the basketball team. They get a majority there. That then this will happen. Um, 
yeah, it's 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 fascinating to be honest with you. Just given everything else that went on last week at a much higher level, uh, it's just another it's it's another nuisance for the NCAA, in my opinion. Yeah, I wonder what comes of this. Is it going to just just be like, hey, we want to make enough money to cover our scholarship, or that that, that we're not getting to cover our our cost of attendance is it just going to be something like well we're employees so at the very least we get minimum wage pay like you're going to pay us at least the federal minimum wage for all the hours we clock in yeah and that's what they were saying uh that it may only be minimum wage but okay um because yeah i mean like they're not going to come out and be like hey we demand a hundred thousand dollars a player and you know we just demand six figures because if they're not making any money as this you know with the program yeah, I'd imagine the school would just laugh at them at that point. Yeah, you got to believe the athletic department has some sort of operating budget uh, for all their sports, but this is just another thing that wasn't accounted for. Could this lead to scabs? Could this lead to Dartmouth's best uh, intramural team being like, if the if the players want to strike and go on, you know, go on strike and and have their little union, we'll come play for the school for free. Just some boys up there that love the game, that are in there playing pickup basketball. That's like, hey, yeah. all of a sudden, 12 roster spots just opened up because of this strike. We're going to cross the picket line. We're going to we're gonna go out here and uh, be scabs. Be a lot sexier than being on the chess team or something like that. So, yeah, you never know. I don't know. At Dartmouth, being on the chess team might carry some weight. <laughs> it might carry some weight. Chess is a thinking man's game. Anybody can go out there and dribble a basketball, Bob. Yeah, but. How many people come watch you play chess? That's the thing. That's the difference. And you have a chance to maybe be in March Madness if everything goes right. Yeah, if you could tell me that we're going to go to March Madness. I don't, I don't know if the team's going to be, although I would say, guessing that the uh, the chess players that would now be playing basketball in your hypothetical would not be going to March Madness. <laughs> I, not. I, I'm going to guess that in your hypothetical where these you're taking these players – and you're taking their glasses off, and you're getting them away from the chessboard. They're not going to be able to compete at a high enough level. Yeah, got like a six foot guy posting up somebody underneath. Right. Yeah. Right. I'm going to guess that's not going to work out. Perfect. Sam, what do you got next? Uh, next in Somebody's in news here, we got uh, a record breaking extension in baseball. Uh, the Royals extended their shortstop Bobby. Record breaking extension in Royals. Royals, yes. The Royals have finally shelled out some money to somebody. Bobby Witt Jr. agrees to an 11-year, $288 million deal with the Royals uh, with options that can go up to 14 years, $377 million. Uh, if all those options are fully exercised, that would be the third largest contract in the MLB. This is, uh, this is a big one. I mean, the Royals are... Clearly a team that is, you know, notorious for not spending money. The the second biggest contract that they've given away in, in franchise history is four years, eighty two million. So they're uh they're clearly spending for their you know, for their superstar. Uh they become there's now only two teams left in MLB history who have not given away a hundred million dollar contract to anyone. The Oakland A's and the Chicago White Sox. A little surprising with the White Sox. Can you tell me what's record breaking about this? Um, I mean, just for the Royals, I think this is a team that obviously has just never paid anyone. Okay, this so is... it's just for the Royals' yeah. sake. Not, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I say, like, I mean, the, these young players, that, this is the new trend, right? To lock up your young player. He's 23. Absolutely, only in so his third year. you're getting a bargain on the back half of his career, but you're rewarding him and not fighting him in arbitration. 
and making him play for peanuts the first three or four years, which you know is going to make him disgruntled. Absolutely. And you're locking up and, and getting him in year six, seven, eight, nine, still for like thirty million dollars a year. Whereas if he continues his trajectory, he'd be a fifty, sixty million dollar player. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he's electric. He was. Uh, I do like this trend from baseball teams. You know, it doesn't always work out. The Roy- the Rays, didn't they give that to Wander Franco? Was, they did, yeah. Didn't he get a deal similar to this yes. and ended up being uh, a pedophile creep? Mm-hmm. But you're, you're a Reds fan, and this could be something you could see with Ellie De La Cruz, for sure. example, yeah. which would be great play by the Reds if they could do that, but try to lock him up early. You know? Yes, yeah, this, this happens a lot these days. It seems like you know Fernando Tatis. I think was he the first that maybe kind of got this ball rolling. I, I um, that, honestly, Acuna when the Braves signed Acuna to like the ten year deal that was only a hundred million dollars. Well, I was gonna say no. The Braves robbed Acuna blind. If I'm Acuna, I am. Uh, I don't know who I'm complaining to. I don't know if I Who'll fired my. I don't know if I fired my agent. I don't know what I'm doing there. But like, yeah, like. And, and it was even worse for Ozzy. Ozzy, I was just about to say, Ozzy got robbed. Well, Ozzy's like was like seven years, mil, like, like forty mil or something. Yeah, like I was that. gonna say he, he got robbed, and you know maybe maybe there's a bigger story here about the Braves taking advantage of these <laughs> these poor Latin players, and then maybe them not having uh, the proper representation, and the Braves, you know, really being bad, being bad people to them. <laughs> but yeah, like aside from the Braves, but like the. The Padres actually like gave Tatis like a huge yeah, deal like this yeah, though, yeah, right? Yeah. Like a, it was like a one of the double digit years and also like three hundred million. Poor Braves. I mean, it did set up their long term success though. Yeah, absolutely. And but I think it kind of paved the baseball, way for by the way coming soon to fan run radio. So I should tread lightly about saying they <laughs> they took advantage of those of those poor. I think it kind of paved the way for for some franchises, like you're saying, to give some of those big contracts early on to their young prospects. And I think it's good for parity across the league to be able to keep those guys like on some smaller teams, maybe. Well, keep them I, from going to the Dodgers and the Yankees. Well, see, I disagree there. I, I think that ultimately, like having them locked up salary wise, makes it easier to trade them. Maybe. Like if you have somebody under this contract and. Were the options player options or team options? Do you, do you um, remember? I think the last ones are team options. So, like, if if you are Not the Royals sure. and, say, three years from now, four years from now, you want to trade Bobby Witt, you're going to get a bigger haul back because he's still going to have six years left on his contract at a very reasonable price of, like, six years, $180 million, when he's going to be, like, a 200 300 or $250, 300000000 million player, potentially. So, like, I do think that's part of the math that the teams probably take into account. We're going to lose some upfront money. We're going to lock in our asset. Either he's going to be on our team at a bargain or we're going to trade him and he's going to be a very valuable piece to a team that won't have to necessarily break the bank financially to bring him on. Now, I know it's, it's not as important in baseball if no salary cap. Mm-hmm. Not as important. But, yeah, you, you call this guy a superstar. i got to be honest, I, I didn't think of him that way. Looking at his baseball reference page, I mean, in his second year to finish seventh, an MVP voting, I mean, that is a pretty big accomplishment. He was the first player to uh, go to the 30-30 club for the Royals. He hit 30 homers and stole 49 bases okay. for him. It, first uh, American League shortstop to do that since A-Rod in 98. Okay, so yeah, I think super, uh, Superstar in the Making, I think, is a a acceptable and accurate description of him. No it, player in big league history has hit 50 homers and stole 79 bases through their first two seasons. Okay. Yeah, it clicked for him. It started out, the hype was enormous for him coming yeah. into the game. And 
started out a little slow like young guys do sometimes, but then, yeah, he turned it on, and last year he was, yeah, he was top tier for sure. Got to say, Sam, got to put an asterisk next to the stolen bases stats, though. We're in a stolen bases boom. <sighs> Since they made the bases bigger, they're easier to steal now. <laughs> it's okay. I think it's the uh, not being able to pick off unlimited. Like, you can only have three or four well, pickoffs or something. That, I think that that's too. bigger than the The bigger bases. bases have to help a little bit, though. Oh, they do. I, I agree with that. Yeah. But, hey, makes the game – that game was so much more enjoyable to watch just the game in general last season. I like stolen bases almost as much as anything in baseball, yeah, I honestly. Agree. And, like, seeing Acuna chase down the 40-40 club last year was cool. And well, that's what he was chasing, right, the 40-40 club. That was cool to see. Running is better. Like, I – Baseball getting away from just the home run or bust mentality, I think, is ultimately beneficial for fans and like making the bases bigger and running more and stealing bases and ultimately that's a good thing. Anything I think they else, made Sam? the product better. Um, some news kind of out of the Super Bowl. Um, oh, yeah. The practice fields have been a controversy here. 49ers have been unhappy. They have been. Uh, they're the away team. They're forced to go practice at UNLV's facilities. While the Chiefs are being able to play at uh, the Raiders facilities, and obviously uh, the fields are a little bit different there. There's a, a hardness score for NFL fields. Apparently they average at 78, and no field is supposed to be less than 70. And the field that the 49ers are practicing on is in the 50s right now. I can't really grasp what exactly that means. Although, like it, they said, it's like super spongy. Basically, well, is what they said. Meanwhile, meanwhile, the Chiefs have access to all the the Las Vegas Raiders Correct. amenities, which are beautiful. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it's 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 uneven for sure. It's not even close. So wait, the Raiders are are putting up their their rival. Well, because uh, the the Chiefs, the, the yeah, the AFC is the host team, yeah. so to speak, this year. So they get the the okay. The run of the facilities. Interesting. Hey, one one other thing that uh, before we break here, I found this interesting. This just came out last night that uh, the NFL is going to have for the first time in league history a game take place in Sao Paulo, Brazil. Oh, yeah. uh, the Philadelphia Eagles. It doesn't say who the opponent is. They do not have the opponent yet, from what I saw. It's but just it, the Eagles. But a Friday night game. Friday night game. I saw Eagles fans kind of melting down, saying they were so bad at the end of last year. They've been sent to, <laughs> they've been sent good. to Brazil. Yeah. So if you think about it, that I, I would assume that means they do that Thursday night game, that opening night, because this is all opening weekend. So you'll have that, and then Friday night. Man, the NFL so smart. They're gonna that weekend's gonna rule. Now I do wonder. You know, it's, it's been beneficial so far to the NFL to do their Christmas Day stuff, but it's been easy because Christmas Day has been like you know on. Thursday, Friday, Saturday, or Sunday. Now, like this upcoming year, Christmas is on Wednesday. Are they going to do a Wednesday game? Are they going to try to keep dominating Christmas to that respect? Because I guess late in the season they can make a team theoretically play Saturday and then put them on Christmas, but like a Saturday-Wednesday turnaround. But that late in the season, that's that's a tough ask. So we'll see if they're actually serious about dominating Christmas every year or just when it conveniently falls on the schedule. But something to keep an eye there. We need... We need an opening shot of the Brazil game of Vin Diesel. <laughs> this is Brazil. <laughs> like in Fast and Furious uh, 6, 7, 8. I don't know which one that one was. but I know what you're talking about. It happened. About. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it happened. There's like 15 of them. 
They're all pretty good, though. They Sam. are good. Gotta, it's a, for as many they made, it's a good series. I gotta be honest, it's a pretty good franchise. The worst one's probably the last one, though. To be honest, uh, the last one was not. The last two haven't been great. To be honest, they're kind of running out of gas, if you will. Nine o'clock. We got Trey Wallace outkick coming up. Tell them we got wall to wall coverage. We'll we'll take your phone calls if you want to weigh in on anything we've talked about. If you want to weigh in on Tennessee basketball. 865-546-8200. We'll open the phone lines up for the rest of the hour. Stick with us. It's the morning show here on Fan Run Radio. From the Fox Sports Studios in Los Angeles, here's Eddie Garcia. Trigger the night of the NBA, six games on the schedule with the Clippers outscoring the Hawks in Atlanta, 149-144. L.A. is now just a half game back of both Minnesota and Oklahoma City for the top record in the Western Conference. 76ers lose at home to the Mavericks, 118-102. Philadelphia drops to 4-11 this season without reigning league MVP Joel Embiid in the lineup, and he's going to be out for a while following a knee procedure. Cavaliers over the Kings, 136-110. Cleveland has won 14-15, including six in a row at home. Lakers hand the Hornets their eight. Eight straight loss, 124-118. to 118. Warriors over the Nets, 109-98. And the Pelicans roll over the Raptors, 138-100. Brandon Ingram, 41 points for New Orleans. Top 25 college basketball, one-ranked team in action. Number four, Kansas losing at rival Kansas State, 75-70 in overtime. NHL two games, Rangers beat the Avalanche 2-1 in overtime. And the Islanders beat the Maple Leafs in Toronto, 3-2. Attention service members and veterans. Introducing Three, four, five, six, seven, eight, It is Super Bowl week. What's your level of excitement for this game, Bob, so far? Scale of 1 to 100. <sighs> Scale of 1 to 100. I gotta be honest, I would say maybe... 80. It's a great matchup. I just think each year the the hype level just exceeds the previous year, and it's getting so crazy at this point. And then factor in this season, too, you've got the the whole Taylor Swift angle as well, and you, know, you hear so much about it already. It's um, I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to a good game. It's obviously two really good teams, one that's seeming to peak at the right time. Um, and then one that everybody expected to be there for sure in San Francisco. Um, so I, I, I do expect a good game. I think it's going to be a good game in that regard. But for some reason, I don't know, maybe it's just a little bit of fatigue with all the uh, surrounding hype around Kansas City right now. 80 still feels kind of high, though. 80 feels like you're still pretty locked in. That's pretty good for a Tuesday. What about you, Sam? Where are you at right now? I think um, I'm a little lower than Bob. I would say I'm probably uh... – a 70 or so and I would maybe say that like 15 to 20 of those points are only because of the fact that it's the final football game of the year okay it's just that that week I told you I completely check out in the off week and it's been hard for me to kind of get back in the swing of things the the biggest story so far being turf hasn't done much for me the practice turf hasn't done much for me although the (laughs) The kickoff, the media day stuff last night. I saw our boy Jordan Dejani there, yeah. kind of uh, wearing a suit and drawing attention to himself, trying to put himself over. Okay, I, I saw him out there doing that, and they got the juices flowing a little bit. What's the biggest storyline heading into the game? 
is it just Patrick Mahomes' quest for excellence and quest for Tom Brady? Is it Andy Reid, his chasing Belichick? Is it Kyle Shanahan, hopefully, eventually, or ho- hopefully, finally, you know, breaking his quote-unquote curse or or at least, you know, kind of solidifying his resume. Brock Purdy, Mr. Relevant, like him, kind of completing, I don't want to say the biggest underdog story ever because Kurt Warner went from, you know, sacking groceries to winning a Super Bowl MVP. But, like, Purdy, not far off in terms of Mr. Irrelevant to doing that. What's the biggest storyline, Bob? For me, I uh, I think I like the Purdy one, to be honest with you. Uh, there's the whole notion of the greatness being built by Mahomes and Andy Reid. I get that. Um, but I would say, for me, it's the story behind Purdy, who even in this season alone has been, you know, early – and MVP contender to then looked a little washed for a, for a matter of weeks, and now the last few weeks again looked like a, f- a front line quarterback. So, if they could win with him a quarterback, I think that'll be interesting for sure. He's either gonna you know complete the story and come out here and do something special, or he's gonna kind of be the reason they lose and get the blame from everybody. Like, I don't think there's any kind of in between for Brock Purdy. 865-546-8200. Let's hit the phone lines. Let's grab Matt. What's up, Matthew? Hey, John. Hey, guys. How we doing? Happy uh, Tuesday. How we feeling? Good morning. Good, doing man. well so far. Hope you're well. I'm headed to the airport, so I'll make it quick, guys. Um, you know, I think, and I want to go to transition basketball, so forgive me, guys, but uh, from a national perspective, I know we're all Tennessee fans, but I listen to the Field of 68 podcast frequently with Rob uh, Jeff Goodman and Rob uh, Dowster. And the one thing they had to say on the game from Saturday night, it felt like, for me at least, it was more of a Kentucky loss than a Tennessee win. They, they nationally look at us as a team that likes to bully you, which is fair. We do have a very good defense. But I found it interesting, you know, Rob Dowster said basically if, if Tennessee's going to win, they have to have a better offense. And when you look at our offense, it's 15th in Ken Palm efficiency ranking. And so my question really is this, you know, Bob, like outside of a final four, is there anything this Tennessee team or coach Barnes can really accomplish to kind of change the national media perspective? Because it just feels like this team doesn't get the respect it deserves. And the reason I, I mentioned that again is as he continued into his podcast, he said, and I quote, you know, you're supposed to keep the irrelevant players irrelevant. And he referenced Josiah Jordan James, which is fair. I get that. But he also mentions Zakai Ziegler. And anybody that's watched college basketball all season has seen that Zakai Ziegler is one of the a top ten point guards in the country. Is that a fair assessment? I would, yeah, I would agree with that. And and Doster is somebody I want to try to get on the show because I think he's got some interesting insights. At the same time, he's also a UConn honk. Uh, he he went there and he um, he he heaps praise on UConn. He's been a little skeptical about Tennessee. So as much as I like Field of sixty eight, I the, I would take that with a grain of salt. I I think Matthew that it's. It, it's it, and I'm struck by we have seen some national media. You've heard it mentioned more this season than any other time before, and and sometimes I wonder if it's been influenced by 
these guys checking out, you know, they, they follow the teams, but they also check out social media and they probably see some of the, uh, you know, the, the fervor that's raised about Tennessee not doing much in March. And it is what it is, but at the same time, uh, I believe the only way you change that is you go and deliver in March. That's There's, there's no other way th- past this, in my opinion. And um, I don't know, when we watch that game against Kentucky – Feels like we've got a team that can definitely be capable of that. And the players, the last thing I'll say is the players. Um, I, th- I think it's a little unfair. Josiah had been irrelevant in some games. I would I would agree with that. But he's not an irrelevant player. We've talked about that many times before. He proved it in spades on, uh, on Saturday night. And Zakai for sure is not. Absolutely. I think, and I actually teased this on Saturday last week, but Bob, do you look at Olivier and Josiah as similar players? Because I made that comparison where his offense, I mean, it showed there, you know, he hit 26 points, but it feels like it wouldn't surprise me if he has six points on Tuesday night versus LSU, but I'm almost curious to hear your thoughts. Like, when it comes to this team, like, to make that March postseason run, is it through a guy like Josiah to kind of hit two or three threes a game, or do you still continue to have a balanced offense between DK Santiago Pescovi and even Joseph Dew and Sakai Ziegler. Listen, I, I, it's a great question, and and I'd like John's take on this too, because we have talked about this. We believe we talked about this yesterday. You know, Josiah getting twenty six on Saturday night was wonderful. It is uh, that's that is that feels like a ceiling, and it's probably not a consistent ceiling. If we could get, you know. 10 to 12 from Josiah and yeah if you get him contributing like that Santiago contributing like that Dalton seems pretty pretty consistent Zakai can be consistent Jonas double double it was not sexy the other night but a double double matters um John what do you think on this I mean I think that if you get all those pieces combined like that you don't need Zakai or you don't need Josiah getting 25 points a game no not at all and you know to the first points you know, Matthew said that the field of 68 said Tennessee needed better offense. Yeah. If you had said that after the South Carolina game, I think everyone would agree, right? Like, that's – that's the vibes completely swung. After South Carolina, I think we all looked around and said, man, the offense is 29th in offensive efficiency, and I don't think that's good enough to win it all or to make a deep run. But, of course, you go out, you absolutely dominate Kentucky, and that goes up to 15th. The offense, of course, looked good enough that night. So at its best, the offense is every bit good enough to win and win a lot in March, but still kind of rears its head and slows down from time to time with some untimely droughts or, you know, a full game drought really against South Carolina. But in terms of the team production, yeah, I mean, like you have seven SEC caliber high high rotation guys with Ganey, Meshack, and then your five starters. Any one of those guys could score you 10 points a night. You have two that have shown they can – you've had three that show they can go out and get you 25 in a game. And Josiah, you know, flirted with 20 – I think he had 23 against North Carolina State and then 26 against Kentucky. He's shown that he can give you, you know, mid-20s. Connect's shown you he can flirt with 40. Sakai showed you he can get you 25. So, like, having three guys that have the potential to get hot and do that I think is very rare in college basketball. And that's not even counting Adu – and his 20-point game, or, you know, counting Vescovy, you know, hitting five threes and getting to 20 as well. Anything well, else, I'll Matthew? You, no, I'll wrap it up. I apologize, boys. I talked way too long. Just wanted to say the last thing, 
Sam, you better get John up to speed for next year because Bob and I's Colts are coming for that AFC South division. We've got a lot of bets to take. Well, we're Have a great fact. day, boys. The Titans are not. My fact. man. Yeah, wow, you got two. The, the Titans and Colts arguing right now is, is, is a pretty sad. That's like Vanderbilt, Missouri talking college basketball, <laughs> yelling at each other. That's how I feel. It's like South Carolina versus Missouri maybe two years ago in football. Who cares? I don't, is, it's the annual South Carolina-Kentucky football game in the SEC. I don't remember South Carolina or Kentucky winning a na- national title in football. Like, yeah, yeah, Colts have a okay. Super Bowl yeah. title. <laughs> maybe, maybe, just yeah. maybe. Yeah, We'll be cool. back, John. We'll be back. Many years ago, Bob, and the years are getting further away. <laughs> you can keep holding on to that if you want, I guess. You, you're you're close to sounding like a Cowboys fan, though. <laughs> you're close to sounding like a Cowboys fan. Oh, God. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, thanks for checking me then. I, I, we don't want that. <laughs> and what I tell people that give me crap about that is that I, I have to uh, – I, I get credit for winning a Super Bowl, too, because I was a Cowboys fan when I was six, too. So my team won a Super Bowl, too. Bad news, Bob. Trey said he has to reschedule, so no Trey Wallace at nine. Ah, uh, okay. Say so he popped a tire, so. <laughs> Thoughts and prayers to him for popping a tire. Hopefully he wasn't texting him while he was trying to recover. Hopefully not, but no Trey Wallace at nine. So you need to uh, go and produce us some content and get us ready for how we're going to cover that segment we thought we had booked. Figure come, it out. Come back with some Super Bowl recipe ideas. All right, Super Bowl recipe ideas. Stick with us. It's the morning show on Fan Run Radio. Sue said we had a uh, call, caller call in that didn't want to get on the air but had a message. Yeah, I, I think I think Bob's cold stock <laughs> soured, <laughs> soured a listener. <laughs> Sorry. What was the message? Yeah, it was well, as much as you can say. Well, it was, uh, you know, basically just, uh, you know, you tell Bob that you stopped talking about those effing Colts. Oh, <laughs> okay. Well. Anybody, do you know who it was? Do they have a name? No name. No name. I said, you know, morning show, can I get your name? And it just went straight into the message. Okay. Well, to be fair to Bob, he didn't bring up the Colts. The caller did. Yeah, exactly. <sighs> yeah, that's true. Wasn't your fault. Wasn't I, your fault. I, I'm, I'm really trying. I don't. I. It wasn't you. you it wasn't you. You brought up Circus Freak today. Yeah, I, I mean, didn't. The, the Super Bowl <laughs> thing. I mean, that was, you're getting a lot of run out of that. It's been a long time. Like, if you would have had a baby after that Super Bowl, that baby would be graduating college this year. It'd be 18. It'd be legal now. Or not college. I mean, graduating high school. It'd be legal now. Headed to college. That's true. A, a full-ass adult has been born and lived since the Colts won a Super Bowl. So at a certain point... Like I said, you start sounding like a Cowboys fan for holding on to that one. Well, you talked Van- when you, I think what drew my ire was when you said Vandy Mizzou <laughs> basketball matchup because you're also underselling your team when you. No, do that I'm not. Too. No, I'm not. We're, we're, we're I think the more popular one is South Carolina, Kentucky. Their football matchup. I think that one's a little bit more accurate, at least recently. Because like Kentucky, you could be like, hey, you know, ten win season. That's kind of the equivalent of the Titans one seed, ten win season. <laughs> I mean, it happened, sure, but 
Does it really change anything? No. No. Kentucky football still sucks. Titans still not respected. So just a blip on the map. Yeah, I mean it's kind of <laughs> it's kind of related. It's kind of related. Hey, we. Uh, By we, the way, I, it, I don't know who it was that called, but I was hoping it would be our friend Jeff. Does anybody heard from Jeff since last week? I've had a couple people reach out, want to know how Jeff feels since the moment he called us, telling us that we were scared of Coach Cal. Coach Cal followed it up by losing at home to Florida, blowing a four-point lead with 20 seconds left, and then having 100 hung on him by his daddy, Rick Barnes. Mm. Have we heard from Jeff? Nothing from Jeff. Interesting. Keep an eye on the phone call in case Jeff has anything to say about his Kentucky Wildcats and and his boy, Coach Calipari, getting their ass beat on Saturday. Keep, Keep an eye on that. Here's some good things to wake your morning up with. We did, we got some uh, – the G.I. Jake show put their returns out for how they did last night on their, their betting. Okay. I saw that Marcus laid uh, – Marcus or whoever was pretending to be Marcus because Marcus said it wasn't him. Whoever is oh. betting for the character Marcus, I saw that they, I guess in protest, only took some alternate NBA lines. I saw that a couple of them hit. Yeah. They are probably like minus, plus 300, plus 400 on those lines. Yeah. Biggest takeaway, though, is uh, – <laughs> Intern Jack continues to lead the way. Let's go. <laughs> yeah, he's uh, he was three and one last night. Does Marcus have a record now? What, how many wins? Is that I, I gotta say, I noticed that last night they they took the records off of the oh. the graphic. Yeah, the body of work records because uh, yeah, that was that was rough. They wanted to restart, and I understand, I get it, but like accountability. Five and eleven for Gi Jake and for for Brad and. Jake even had an 0-4 under Marcus's name, so really Jake was 5 of 15. So keep that in mind next time he starts yelling at Marcus about Marcus's picks being bad. That I watched Jake go 5 and 15 last week, so I don't know what they did on Friday. I don't know what the records were on Friday, but he was pretty tough on Marcus last week, and I was like, hold on now. It's not like you're out here lighting the world on on, on fire, Swami. <laughs> they so collectively they went eight and eight last night. That's progress. That is progress. <laughs> yeah, I mean that is progress. This is a. Uh... They might have righted the ship. We'll have to see. Uh, so wait, Marcus went two and two on his alternate lines, but also like again, those were like plus three hundred, plus four hundred. So Marcus had a a nice winning night. Yes. And you said Jack went three and one. Yes. So the rest of the guys went what three and five? Three and five. <laughs> what was the breakdown there? Uh, the show host went two and two, and uh, Brett, the co-host, went one and three. Okay. Okay. So, two and two, that's okay. Maybe uh, we start doing, like, units for Marcus instead of record, yeah. you know? Like, because, right. you know, he would have won, like, eight or ten units last night, but he would have been down 20, if, you know, sure. the week before then. Well, no, because he was doing parlays before. 10. He was only losing one unit at a okay, time. Okay, yeah, yeah. I, I think they've been pretty tough on Marcus. Because Marcus I think, might be the best gambler there. Yeah. Marcus, <laughs> if you actually look, yeah, Marcus might have turned to profit by now. If you actually consider that his – Original bets were just one-unit parlays, and that now, you know, last night he cashed probably five or six units up. I mean, that is a good point by you, Sam. That is a good point by you. He is actually winning. I need to make sure to put that in Marcus's ear before he comes on the air so that he can, you know, have that in his back pocket. Sometimes I have to give him some things to bring in. I have to try to gas him up, and I try to give put plant some things in his ear to defend himself. So that'll be one of them. We're we're all about giving attaboys too. So if they continue to progress, we'll uh, we will shout it from the mountaintops if they uh, keep this trend going. I will say they did a good job of setting the bar very low. <laughs> 
they did do a good job of setting the bar very low. It's true, managing expectations, right? They uh, and and also to be fair to us, we are zero and two in terms of our gambling <laughs> segment. They aren't they aren't our picks, but they're your guess, Bob. And he went zero and two. That's my guess now. Well, I mean, you booked him. I had never, I had never yeah. heard of Eli. I like Eli, but I'm just saying, like, this is your boy. So, I mean, I'll take the the record with you. We're 0-2. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to point fingers. <laughs> sorry. We're 0-2 as a show with our expert. No, and we were we were in sync. We we liked his picks. So, yeah. I, well, I, I, didn't, like, like, I didn't like Baltimore. I gotta say, I didn't like Baltimore. I was on, I was on the Chiefs, but I, he talked me out of that. I, I loved St. John's. I'm embarrassed to say, I, I thought that that was. Uh, I think we all were kind of feeling that because of the Patino factor. Well, they came out in the first half and looked okay, and then yeah, yeah. I mean, it was a one possession game at half, and then, and then Patino, I guess, took a nap, had to go get lay in the coffin for a bit and recharge. I don't know if being out in the in the bright lights drained his energy or whatever, but yeah, they got ran away from. I watched a fair amount of that game, and I was surprised. I watched the whole thing, unfortunately. Fox, then you saw what I saw or didn't see. Fox didn't show much of Patino on the sidelines. I figured they'd be fixing a camera on him constantly, and they didn't. He was not treated as a star. That no. is correct. He, I was surprised by that as well. Yeah, Danny Hurley, definitely, uh, you know, coach of the defending national champion. I guess he, he should get the love, right? Yeah, Hurley. Hurley's a star. Yeah. He's a star coach. He is a nut, too. Yeah. Man. He's, He's so crazy. freaking intense. But but also important to keep in mind, I did nail the exact score of the Lions uh, 49ers game. So that, that you What's going to be the score of the Super Bowl? Find out on Friday, I, I guess. But just keep that in mind because, you know, I was trying to say, you know, we were 0-2, but actually we're not because I was actually perfect. And that was probably like a plus 3,000 prop, Sam, to, to nail the score perfectly. So we're, we're rolling in it, too. We're rolling in it, too. Anything back in the Super Bowl? Any bets that have stood out to you? Any props in the storylines? You say Brock Purdy's your biggest storyline. Sam, as you sit here, what's the thing you're focused the most on Sunday? What song Usher starts with? First song Usher plays? No. (laughs) I think it's the defenses for me. I think that, obviously, it's kind of a a Niners unit for the past couple years that's been – Heralded is one of the best defenses in the league, and I think this year, you know, obviously some injuries have kind of taken a a, a big portion of that away, I think. But I, I think that this Niners defense is kind of susceptible. You saw it in the first half of that NFC Championship game. And then I think, obviously, the, the back half of that Chiefs defense is super talented, but it's a Chiefs team that hasn't been able to exactly stop the run, and you've got a Niners team that's unbelievable with the run with Christian McCaffrey. So I think kind of... My big storyline is kind of seeing which unit kind of breaks or, or kind of steps up to the plate a little bit. Well, I'll give the Chiefs the edge there. I, I think the 49ers defense is bad. Yeah. That was one of the things I said going into that Lions game was the 49ers defense is giving it up right now. They're, they're not very good. Now, can they get together over two weeks and come up with a better game plan? Sure. But, like, the 49ers are kind of notorious, or at least – especially under D'Amico Ryans. I don't know how much has changed this year, but they, they like their zone defense, and, and, and Mahomes likes going up against that. And I just don't see that getting necessarily better for them. The, the good news for the 49ers is that the Chiefs offense isn't great. Right? The Chiefs offense isn't great. It's not explosive. Even in that Ravens game, you know, they got shut out in the second half. I think this game's going to be pretty low scoring. Mm-hmm. So, like, yeah, I mean, I think you saying 
the the defense is is important, but also in a low scoring game, it also I think comes down to what quarterback can make some plays and. It's a David versus Goliath as far as that goes, as far as I'm concerned. It's not. It's maybe not quite Tom Brady versus Nick Foles. And you saw how that went with Nick Foles, you know, having 400 yards and the Eagles scoring all those points. But, like, you have Mahomes versus Purdy. And I keep coming back to that whenever I try to look at this game. It's like, am I really going to take Brock Purdy over Mahomes? And that's how I feel on Tuesday at least. Bob, you said you had some trivia, some Super Bowl trivia you wanted to run by us. Is that correct? Yeah, well, basically it's um, one of them. I think we we have a lot to talk about, but one of them is if you were to pick, and this is you got to go back a little bit and think about previous Super Bowls, but if you were going to pick the most watched Super Bowl, and, and, and the other thing we have to cl- clarify this with is what I'm talking about is more – um, the one we're going to throw out the window is the 82 Super Bowl 40-plus years ago. It was the most watched from an average rating percentage of okay. homes. That was the Bengals and 49ers. Um, it's a totally different era now with sure. streaming, out-of-home viewing, all of these other things. So, Do you know how many viewers that got? In ter- what the most watched actually is just raw numbers-wise? And, of course, like you said, whenever you had three channels back in the day and it was one of the main broadcasts, those- Total numbers are going to be higher. I was just curious if you knew what the actual number was. Yeah, over 85 million watched that. Now, keep in mind that back then that was just at the dawning of cable TV. It was just starting. So um, that was was pretty much, like you said, just broadcast networks, and that was it. So And now the universe is so much larger. Well, it's actually receding now because of streaming, but as far as cable and everything. But uh, it's never been higher in terms of households using televisions now. So... Um, but that happened so long ago, and it's a bit of an antiquated percentage. We won't include that in there. But if you thought about, because first of all, I'm going to preface this by saying whatever number we talk about is the highest or most viewed Super Bowl, it's going to get broken this year. I, I, I firmly believe that, that this will become the most viewed because of A, the two teams involved, B, such a swirl that's happening in pop culture around the Taylor Swift, Travis Kelsey piece, because now there is so many more uh, female viewers who who care about football. You know, they all watch the Super Bowl, but now there's even more that are are like that. You know, my wife, she can't wait for the Super Bowl. That's never happened before in the past. It's been really casual, like yeah, you know, yeah, we'll go to a Super Bowl party, check it out. Now it's like. Okay, what time is it on Sunday? What you know, it's it's that type of thing. And uh, even Goodell talked about it at his State of the NFL address yesterday about you know female viewership is up. Uh, There's no coincidence. But anyway, do you buy this as a conspiracy? Because whenever you lay all that out, it's like, and also like the the last part there is the most important part I think in the NFL's eyes is female viewership is up, and you just rewind. 10 years ago and think about the relationship with women and the NFL. I mean, I don't know the exact year, but I mean, I feel like 10 years ago is about the time Ray Rice was on video beating Janae in the, the elevator, knocking her out. And the next, you know, subsequent years having the NFL being involved in scandal after scandal with sexual assault, Ezekiel Elliott, you know, pulling down the woman's top and being sued for other things. And, and Greg Hardy throwing his, his woman on a bed of guns. And I mean, there was just a whole 
list of things. You're not supposed to laugh at that part, Bob. No, I, it's 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 insane. That's oh yeah, I know, but at. yeah. But like when you consider the image that the NFL had when it came to women, and almost the the, I guess at times when they were trying to cater to women, it felt patronizing. Now I'm not saying that running out Taylor Swift and using her as a as a bridge to become a fan if you're not a fan isn't patronizing to women that actually like football, but the numbers have shown up that they have increased their viewership. No doubt. Particularly with that demographic. So when you say all that, it does make me think, you know, this actually does seem like it would be something that would uh, maybe be conspired, the powers that be, because it's probably made her more famous too. Yeah. I, I I don't think it's a conspiracy, but I do think it's a it's a very convenient benefit for the NFL. I mean, and the NFL's playing into it. They're leaning into it. The whole thing that's happening with uh, Justin uh, Usage's wife, and I don't know if you've seen that. She's creating all this NFL apparel, NFL themed apparel, and they. Uh, in the past, NFL would have been very very uh, provincial about that, saying you know almost like cease and desist, but instead they've given her the runway to continue on. And Do you think it's because he's a player, though? Because I feel oh, I'm like, sure that's a contributor, for I sure. I was going to say, I feel like if this was a random person who wasn't married to a football player, they still would have got hit with the cease and desist. Yeah. No, that's, I, I that's, think Juszczyk having a relationship in the league and being a respected player in the league, I think probably has helped that maybe uh, – Open some doors for her, a little little nepotism, sure, or connections. Oh, whatever. for sure, I I would agree with that. Um, so back to the the ratings point that we were talking about. Um, so the viewership record that again is all in was last year's Super Bowl, Chiefs and Eagles. One hundred and fourteen million people watched that game, um, but uh, that was also including out of home viewing. The ones that followed it, this to me is not a surprise. 2017 Patriots-Falcons and also um, the following year, the Eagles-Patriots. The Patriots were, for a moment, they were must-watch TV. Um, Just because they were so dominant, you either loved them or you hated them. I mean, I think the Chiefs might be getting into that range now themselves, but... um, no, I mean, it's all wrestling in that regard. Yeah. You, you build up a super hill, and you have a guy that you want to see get beat, and you're hoping that the babyface, the good guy, could come slay them, and, and good triumphs evil. It's it's the same as, as professional wrestling, and the Patriots did morph themselves and become, you know, that super hill that you love seeing, you know, get beat. And a lot of times they didn't get beat, but you wanted to watch in case they did. Yeah. No, agreed, and uh, it's just interesting because even as you could imagine that things might, how impactful Patriots-Falcons and Eagles-Patriots was, they actually both outdrew Chiefs-49ers in 2020, and that to me was a little bit of a surprise, but again, I think it speaks to what we just talked about with the power that the Patriots held at that point. you know, so it hasn't been just a an annual progression where viewership continues to grow with each year. I mean, it does. It's it's big numbers no matter what, but the numbers actually regressed a little bit in 2020, and I have to believe part of it was Patriots weren't there. Um, okay, so I would say so COVID and election year because they always say like COVID and election year or election years at least kind of play into that. Would that not have had any impact? Um, 
see, I think COVID would have added to the numbers. Well, 2020, son. I guess COVID wouldn't have started yet, right? Because no, you're talking about no, it's it, you're talking uh, about 2020. Yeah, yeah, January 2020, right? Right, yeah. So that that kind of became a, a big thing in February or March. So true. Like, that wouldn't have been a story yet. That that was the Chiefs. Uh, 49ers first go around, correct? Yeah, so Chiefs was it Chiefs Bucks in twenty one? Yeah, was, uh, that was the one that was off the heels of COVID, and that's that's interesting because it doesn't even you know the the Chiefs Bucks number was 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 actually considerably lower. So it goes flies in the face of what I just said in terms of because uh, uh, that was off the heels of COVID. So. One thing for sure, though, I, I firmly believe that those numbers will be surpassed this year um, j- just because we're in a situation where there is so much buildup on this game, um, and, and they'll combine. So it's going to be, you know, in the past, too, it used to be um, those New England games, for example, they were basically just uh, NBC and Fox, and then their Spanish-speaking counterparts now uh for example this this game on the 11th we talked about it uh yesterday it's cbs and it's nickelodeon and it's univision so nickelodeon might gather some viewers that otherwise you know younger viewers that may not otherwise watch it do we have any numbers on what they did what they do when they do nfl games are they in the like are they even close to the million range is it i don't have a thousand yeah i don't have them handy i i think they they continue to do it so that leads me to believe that it must perform well enough for them okay. i mean maybe not hitting it out of the park but um and they'll say it's an investment in the future anyway of course to, to turn kids into football fans yeah well, and like you said, it's a, it's an alternative now if you're kind of getting Tony Romo fatigue at this point. There's another way you could watch it. So, <laughs> um, so yeah, it that that to me is kind of a – that's not so much a heavy trivia piece, but there's other things we can talk about uh, all week long with Super Bowl. I mean, they've, they've got all sorts of rankers about, you know, the greatest Super Bowl quarterbacks, the, the greatest quarterbacks who never won a Super Bowl. There's, you know, there's, there's a ton – we can dig into some of it's interesting. Some of it gets a little too deep because it goes into eras that surpass all of us sure. in this room. Yeah. So because there's there's been 57 Super Bowls at this point. So I'm not gonna lie, I'm a little disappointed. I thought we were just gonna do rapid fire trivia questions. I was ready to go. We can still fire. We, I, we can find. I, some. I've tried to lock in my numbers. That I think I finally have grasped which numbers are which. In terms of like, you know, Super Bowl one, what year is that? And 50, what year is that? And kind of work forward and backwards to think about the game and what happened. I thought I was going to get a chance to show that off. You've got, you've got that much. That's good. I think so. Okay. Well, I think so. We'll have to dig around and find some stuff to talk about. 50 was 16, right? So it'd be 17. 50 was 15. Oh, right. well, 50 was 16 in terms of the. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah. yeah it happened in 16. Yeah. yeah. Correct. So then you just you know kind of go from there. It's kind of the way I've got it figured out. So you've got some knowledge from fifty on, is what you're saying. No, 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 no. I can subtract, Bob. When I say do math, I, I know how to subtract as well. Yeah. No, no. So I'm not s- from sixteen and on. No, I could go back to to you know the nineties. Okay. I just say I, that's my starting point. Ah, I see. And I work. I follow. So that. I start at fifty, then I go back to zero, and then I, you know, add and subtract. And you're like Super Bowl thirty-eight. I'm like, okay, what's sixty-six plus thirty-eight? And then I figure it out. Or what's two thousand sixteen minus twelve? And then I go back. Yeah, that's, okay. I know how to do. I can when I say do math, Bob. I can subtract. You're confusing me now, to be honest. 
Oh, we'll end the hour then. Hour two in the books. We'll kick off hour three. Stick with us. It's the morning show on Fan Run Radio.